Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. By now, you know that the president of the United States has extended the national social distancing guidelines through the month of April. And many of you, in fact, most of us are now following stay at home orders from our governors um, for at least the next two weeks. And shelter in place orders are um, being activated in states across the country as diagnoses related to the coronavirus continue to um you know, frankly, jump up in ways that I think are surprising to many, many Americans. Um, we've we've literally never been here before. We have never experienced anything like this before. And you have heard in the headline news at the top of the hour um, that conservative estimates, conservative estimates with mitigation um, are that, you know, something like 100,000 Americans are going to succumb to the coronavirus. That would be 2,000 deaths in every state. Now, they won't be spread like that. You and I recognize that. Um, there are some states in, uh, in our nation that will experience a greater impact than other states will. Um, the more densely populated cities in the most densely populated states are obviously going to have more deaths um, just in terms of the full numbers than are those states that are more sparsely populated, and have people more physically spread out. But still, if you think about 2,000 deaths per state in the Union, and you are living in a state where there have now been nine, and we are counting them one by one because every life is precious and every life lost matters, um, then you recognize that today, although it's difficult, is not the most difficult day we're going to see together. And so... I want to lift up a couple of passages of Scripture here at the outset this morning, um, and then we are going to talk uh, during this hour with Jamie Ayton about what your church can do and the resources available to your church, all online, all available right now. Um, we're going to talk with um, uh, Linda Mental about worry and anxiety and how we need to, what we need to do in order to cope, and then we're going to talk with an infectious disease specialist. Uh, from Cedarville University, Dr. Zach Jenkins, um, about really keeping up to date facts, not fear, awareness, not anxiety, preparedness, not panic, um, all of that in this morning's program. So let me lead off with this. Um, Somebody said at the end of last week that for Christians, we don't really have a shelter-in-place order. We have a shelter-in-peace reality. So I want you to embrace that. I want you to embrace today that you and I shelter in peace. Wherever we are, um, geographically, wherever we are circumstantially, we are people who are possessed of a peace that surpasses the world's understanding. We dwell, we dwell in the shelter of the Most High God. We abide in Christ. It is where we live. Um, it It is where we abide. Our abiding reality is in Christ. 
And in Christ, we have a peace that surpasses the world's understanding. Psalm 91.1 reminds us that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so today, let us not just shelter in place. Let us shelter in peace. What does that look like for you? How might you have that conversation with somebody, with someone either who's physically sharing uh, your sheltering space today or a person who is um, sheltering somewhere else, but with whom you are going to be in contact today um, in some way because you are going to, in grace, reach out to them because you know that they are afraid and that they do not um, live in the kind of peace that you and I live with every single day. So I want to return for just a moment before we get to my conversation with Jamie Ayton. Um, I want to I want to re- literally go back to the beginning, the very beginning. I want you to go back to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Hebrew, it's God was hovering over the chaos. God was hovering over the chaos. And into that reality, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So today may be the first day of your quarantine, the first day of your shelter-in-place order, the first day with the coronavirus, the first day of unemployment, the first day of needing more help from others than you are able to give, the first day. Something is the first day today for you. And I want you to be aware of God's presence and God's word. God is and he has spoken. And because he is and because he has spoken, and because he has come, not only sent the light, but come as the light, you and I, you and I can endure this day living as people of peace, with the peace that passes all understanding, because we actually dwell, we dwell in the shelter of the Most High God. Let us abide in him today. Next up, Jamie Ayton from Wheaton's Humanitarian Disaster Institute on resources available to your church right now online. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Welcoming back today, Dr. Jamie Ayton from the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton. They have just hosted a two-day church summit. You can get all the information at covid19churchsummit.com. Jamie, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. So you guys did this two-day summit in collaboration with some other ministry partners um, tell us a little bit about the COVID-19 Church Summit, and then we're going to tell people what kind of resources they can get online. Glad to. So we've been collaborating with NAE, and we launched this digital summit on last Thursday and Friday. And we ended up having two full days worth of speakers that are some of the top ministry leaders in the U.S., as well as even leaders speaking in from around the globe on COVID-19. 
And we're able to share also a number of resources on our website, which is actually probably the most free downloadable uh, resource website right now anywhere in the country for the Christian church on how to prepare and respond. And so you'll find a lot of resources there. And then we've been working to try to help churches to really use this as a time to be able to respond faithfully and not fearfully. So if you're listening right now, you may remember that Jamie came on a couple of weeks ago and we actually talked about a resource that was very early on um, that helped all of us in our churches prepare our churches for the coronavirus. Those resources uh, and manuals are still available. You can find them at this same website. So the website is covid19churchsummit.com. One of the tabs is resources. So if you don't even yet have um, that preparation manual for preparing your church for coronavirus, um, I would say that's probably where you want to start. But Jamie, um, let's uh, let's do some of the highlights from the church summit um, from the from the last week. You know, we just felt really humbled by all the incredible um, speakers and worship leaders that donated their time to be able to speak into this issue. And I, I think as I reflect back on the overall summit that had occurred, that to me, one of the things that I was really reminded of was of God's faithfulness, that He is with His people and with us, even in these times of difficulties. Another key issue that really seemed to cut across almost all of the different talks was an emphasis on making sure that we as the church really step up to the plate to care for the vulnerable and the underserved, both in our congregations and communities. So you had a number of speakers um, who spoke, you know, on that particular topic, just in in terms of raising our awareness about who the vulnerable are, and that that group of people is much larger than maybe we considered even a couple of weeks ago. Um, people who were already, you know, living on the edge are now really living in very significant need. Um, any any creative ideas on that front that just stand out to you in terms of a takeaway? for um, for those who are listening, and they really want to be more aware of and better serving the vulnerable in their churches and communities? You know, I think one of the things that really stood out to me from the, some of the tips that people had recommended was really trying to be as creative as possible and using what resources each of us has or each of our congregations have. And actually, some of the ones that I enjoyed hearing and learning from the most were actually the ones that were um, focused on engaging children in the different processes. So for example, there was uh, one church that had engaged their children and youth ministries in pulling together um, a phone tree to be able to reach out to all the elderly in their church and would call a couple times a day just to check in to see how they were doing. Oh, I love that. So the young people of the church are using the phone tree from the church to actually check in on older members. I, I love that. Yeah, and another one that I really enjoyed was hearing of different uh, churches where they were encouraging their families to, if it was nice enough outside, to be able to spend some time in their driveways writing verses or words of encouragement on their in uh, sidewalk cha- uh, chalk to their neighbors as a word of encouragement. Oh, that is great! And then you know, I can imagine Jamie that then you know you could snap a picture of that and you could. You could text it to grandma, you could post it to your Instagram account, like, right, there's just ways for that to live on as well. Um, So sidewalk chalk, um, I have some friends who who did some sidewalk Sunday school, 
um, because they just recognized that, you know, maybe they knew how to teach a Bible story and maybe their neighbors didn't necessarily know how. So they actually, people came out and um, they were, uh, you know, in, in front of their own houses. So, you know, but they live in a, in a neighborhood that's pretty dense. And so they were able to kind of stand in the middle of the street and do this Bible story. Um, and then they distributed these just little coloring packets, I think, to to everybody to be able to um, to participate. And sidewalk chalk was a huge part of what they did, just encouraging kids to use the sidewalk chalk to draw something related to the Bible story right there in front of their own house. So I do think there's a way to, you know, to to connect. I think the connection is still important. We have to do so in ways that still maintain this social distancing, but um, really, really fun ideas. Again, we want um, folks to make use of the resources. You can go to COVID19ChurchSummit.com, COVID19ChurchSummit.com. It's free. You just give your email address, and then they're going to send you actually a link to get into all of the resources from the uh, from the conference. So COVID19ChurchSummit.com. Jamie Aiton and I will be back in just a moment. Continuing my conversation now with Jamie Ayton from the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton. Um, we are t- continuing our conversation about the church summit that was held the end of last week. COVID19churchsummit.com is where you can find all of the resources we're talking about today. Um, when we talk about uh, some of the themes of the conference, um, are there others, Jamie, that we've talked a little bit about, you know, being sure that we're caring for the most vulnerable, both in our congregations and in our communities, other themes that you guys covered in the conference that you think would be a benefit for folks to know about? You know, one of the tips that uh, Colby Sparkman, who uh, has worked in family ministry for numerous years in Mississippi and was sharing some of the creative ways that her congregation has helped respond to needs um, in their community. And she said something that really stuck with me, which was it's time for the church not only to be creative and coming up with new ideas, but for us to start re, um, reverse engineering ideas for how to help and worship. And so I, I was really intrigued by that and asked her to kind of break that down for me a bit and was telling me that another way for us to think about how to approach this difficult time where we feel like we're a bit lost is to start with what is the main need and to kind of work backwards. You know, so, so often we're so focused on what's the next big thing or the newest technology, but sometimes we can find those answers of how to best serve each other from the ways the church used to communicate and connect, say, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. You know, so for example, um, had one person who heard Colby's interview and ended up reaching out to me uh, this morning on email to let me know that one of their elder church members was in a nursing home and was one of the individuals that would not have access to technology. And but at the same time, knew that that person would really be ministered to if they could hear the worship song that Michael Tate from Newsboys performed for us that's recorded here on, on the website. So even though that person didn't have access to an iPhone or, you know, to a computer or anything, that they ended up just calling the hospital staff and the, or the nursing home staff and they put it on speaker. And so the friend on the other end with the cell phone is playing it over, you know, the phone here. And now it's being blasted out to this nursing home through their speakerphone so that that way everyone could hear it and, and be ministered to. All right. One of the things is I scroll down the list of, of resources. 
Um, one of the things I think might surprise people here, this is really comprehensive. So you even have some things here related to grant writing and how ministries could go about um, securing government grants even during this time. Um, and so talk a little bit about the the breadth of the things that are covered here. So because you and I might tend to focus um on, you know, on the micro, like right on what we can do in our own churches and communities. But there's a lot of macro information um, here at COVID19churchsummit.com as well. Yeah. And one of the places that we really tried to start, and it really mirrors the messaging that we've shared around how to help churches get prepared and respond, which is that we need to start with a, our uh, response on a solid ground of theology and faith. And so um, throughout the the two days, you'll find great devotions from individuals like best-selling author Philip Yancey. We also each day have some incredible worship songs uh, just to provide encouragement to those that are there. We also talk about issues like how to how churches can actually form not just local, but even national networks to be able to respond. We also talk about issues like how do we build community and advocate for the vulnerable. What are some crisis communication best strategies? We offer tips on creatively preparing worship services. You mentioned the grant writing, and then we even actually have um, a national leader who's uh, an infectious disease expert that starts to kind of break down, you know, really what the um, concerns are and how we can be safe and still being able to help one another. We also look at the what does it mean to be able to have a, a vulnerable Christian uh, witness and to be able to show God's grace to others during this hurting time, how to talk and care for your families. You know, what, what makes good um, ways to be able to build community for um, virtual streaming church services, for example. So we really cover just a wide breadth of different issues throughout the overall summit. And we even brought in the um, well-known researchers from the Barna Group, like David Kinman, to be able to talk about the research on the state of the church amidst COVID-19 and to share some of the early insights and findings from his work. And then we were even fortunate enough to actually have the U.S. Surgeon General offer a special message to churches in the U.S. So there's material here. If you are concerned about financial resources for your churches, if you're concerned about serving people with disabilities um, or engaging older adults, the self-care for church leaders, um, there's a great uh, segment here from, well, there's a lot of people on here who you guys are going to recognize as regular guests of this program. Dan Darling is on here. Nick Hall. David Kenneman has, has already been mentioned. Um, some of our friends from World Relief made appearances. Ed Stetzer, who you guys hear here, 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 here on the Faith Radio <laughs> Network on a regular basis. So, um, Jamie, it's just really excellent. Thank you so much for doing it. I loved the resources on home worship. Um, again, you guys can find all of this at COVID19ChurchSummit.com. COVID19ChurchSummit.com. Jamie Ayton, thank you so much for joining us today and for continuing all of this good work um, at Wheaton through HDI. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. So you're going to hear lots of questions from people who, frankly, have been too distracted and too busy with other things to be asking big questions before now, but now they got lots of time. And... Um, God has their attention. Well, maybe God doesn't have their attention yet, but the coronavirus has their attention. 
Um, and so how will the attention of people be turned from the concerns of the day, even the apocalyptic language of the media? How will they then be turned to look up, to look up? Are these the end times? Are these signs of the second coming of Christ? How would you know? Um, where would you look if you wanted to understand the times in which we are now living? Well, you and I, as Christians, would look into the Scriptures. We would look into the Scriptures not only of the New Testament, but we would then turn back to the prophecies of the Old Testament and see if there are prophecies that we could now understand in light of uh, the days in which we live that people, not only in the days in which they were written, but no generation prior to now could ever have understood because, frankly, those prophecies weren't yet fulfilled. It wasn't yet literally their time. Donna Van Leer um, is a New York Times bestselling author. She is also a teacher of the Bible, um, and she has studied the prophecies of the Old and New Testaments. And, and she's actually written a novel called The Time of Jacob's Trouble. Trouble. It's the first in a trilogy. And as God would have it, it just came out two weeks ago. And let me just tell you that it is timely. It is an invitation to not only help people to look up, but help people look into the scriptures for what God has said about what's happening, what's unfolding even in these days. So next up, Donna Van Leer, author of The Time of Jacob's Trouble. We'll be right back after the news. One of the most powerful influences on young people today is their need to belong, to fit in, and to be accepted by their peers. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Research shows that the need to belong is growing, but a sense of true belonging can't be bought. And if teens don't find a sense of belonging in their own family, they'll start looking for it in all the wrong places. I've worked with thousands of kids over the years, and most of them are acting out of some kind of loss or a need to belong that was unfulfilled. In your home, give unconditional love and encouragement, making sure your teen doesn't go elsewhere to find acceptance. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart, which is why moms and dads turn to parenting expert Mark Gregston for help. Learn about Mark's upcoming events and check out his latest resources online at ParentingTodaysTeens.org. Joining me now, my friend in real life, Donna Van Leer. She is the New York Times bestselling author of several books. She's here to talk today about the first in a trilogy that she is releasing. This one's called The Time of Jacob's Trouble. Donna, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you, Carmen. It's so good to hear your voice. I know. You sound so like a voice of hope today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I um, have lots of mutual friends who are struggling right now. Um, and you and I also have a hope that others do not necessarily possess. What, one of the things I really appreciate about the time of Jacob's trouble is it's so hopeful. Um, it, it could be scary, right, to write about the fulfillment of prophecy and what is going to happen when Jesus returns to take his people to himself and who will be, uh, who will be here and how they will struggle. That's what's captured in this novel, um, and yet it's filled with hope. So introduce us to the time of Jacob's trouble. 
I, I wrote the book because years ago, Carmen, I was sitting in church and I just had this unsettled feeling because the pastor would come out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I would think I've heard this same message at least 25 times in my lifetime. But I would have to check my spirit and say, there may be others here who've, who've never heard this particular message. But it kept happening, happening week after week. And then one Sunday, it was like an epiphany. I was sitting there and I thought, you know what a message I have not heard in decades now is that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is returning. When I was a little girl, the pastor or visiting pastors would say things like that. And we would hear a message or teaching about the return of Christ. And I realized that message had been missing. And so I started to research it on my own and just study it on my own. And I was just tearing apart the Bible. And for years I did that. And then one day it, it just felt like the Lord deposited an idea into my heart was to write about the last days, but don't just do it as a novel. Because I fiction, Carmen, I really don't read fiction. And I thought, I don't want to read just a fiction book about this, about what the Lord says about his return. So I wanted, wanted it to be three quarters novel, but one quarter biblical teaching in the end notes, so that the reader would know exactly what they read. Where did it come from in the Bible? So I really wanted to take them into scripture. And I wanted it to, to write most of it in novel form because there are many millennials who just want to who who just want something quick. Not just millennials, but Gen X. I mean, our culture in general, we've become a very fast food type culture. So I wanted to give them the story, but also give them the bone the foundation. So that's really the the premise of of how all of this came about. So Donna, you and I are going to pause and and Paul is going to reconnect with you. Um, I'm going to introduce um, our listeners to the time of Jacob's trouble. So when you get to page 32, at the bottom of page 32, so you are you are now into the novel. Um, a, a few chapters, and you come and you've and it's riveting, and you've been moving along in this very dramatic um, story where um, people are waking up to uh, a very new reality. The world um, is is has changed forever in ways that they couldn't have anticipated even the day before. Um, and and so then you get to page thirty two, and at the bottom of the page, there's this little box, and it says, "To discover more about the biblical facts behind the story." Read Where in the Word on page 187 or continue reading the novel. And so if you flip then to page 187, which, of course, you would dutifully do because you would think to yourself, I definitely want to know what she's talking about here and where she got these ideas and this information. How could this possibly have happened and why did I not know about this before? You would um, you would be introduced into this Where in the Word section of of the book and you would discover that it's a full third of the book. Um, and as you move through it, you um, you just recognize that there's just so much in Scripture that maybe you hadn't seen before. So, Donna, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what is prophecy and um, and how many biblical prophecies have already been fulfilled. Prophecy is God telling us in the Bible about what is going to happen 
in the future. And in the Bible, there are over 1,800 of them. And already 500 of them have been fulfilled. And they've been fulfilled, not 80% have come true, not not with 92% accuracy, but all 500 of them have come true with 100% accuracy. And that's, Car- Carmen, that God is who he says he is. He proves that he is the one true God, because there is no other ancient religious text. There's no modern religious text. There's no um, religious guru that has ever said anything that has come true with 100% accuracy, only the God of the Bible. And that's incredible. And it should leave us in awe of who God is. When when we invite people to look up, and let me just share with everybody, there's a looking up podcast that you can find at com backslash looking up. It's actually uh, a podcast that Donna and I did together. So DonnaVanLeer.com backslash looking up. Um, let's just talk about what does it mean to look up? What does that mean, Donna? Well, well Jesus himself told us, he says in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and, and Luke 21, he tells us when you see all these things begin to happen, and he's already listed several signs of his coming. And he says, when you see all these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads for your redemption is near. And so he is telling us, look up when we see all these signs happening in the world. When we read these headlines, Carmen, I'm not saying that all headlines are signs. I'm not one of those people who tries to force a biblical prophecy into a headline. But we are definitely seeing headlines now that come straight from Scripture. Billy Graham once said, I hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand, because what's happening in both is actually coming true today. So Jesus tells us to look up, to have that anticipation of his return. And when we know that he is returning, we want others to know that. We want them to know that, hey, Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Is your heart prepared to meet him? Because he's coming back for his bride. And he's listed all of these signs in Matthew 24, in Mark 13, in Luke 21. He's given us characteristics of the last days so that we can be aware because Jesus said, keep watch. He said, be aware. He gave us many warnings. He says, he says, do not be deceived. So we are supposed to be looking up in expectation, but also be aware of what is happening in our world. Donna Van Leer and I are talking about the time of Jacob's trouble. It is her new novel. Um, we invite you to check it out and everything Donna is doing at DonnaVanLeer.com. We're going to take a very brief break and then we'll be right back. You're my defender. Returning to my conversation with Donna Van Leer, we are talking about her new release. The novel is The Time of Jacob's Trouble. It is the first of a three-part trilogy. I don't know that I will be able to wait until next year for the next one, um, but I'm going to try to be patient. <laughs> the Time of Jacob's Trouble. Um, Donna, what, what does it mean for people to read the signs of the times in which we live? 
It means to be aware of what Jesus has told us to look for. His apostles ask him that he, Jesus had said, one day this temple will not be standing. Every stone will be thrown down. And they said, well, when is this going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so Jesus told them what to look for. These are the things that are going to be happening happening prior to my return. So it means that we just read read through Scripture. We read through Matthew 24, and it's... Um, and Mark 13, and Luke 21. That's the Olivet Discourse. We read through those, and we see the signs that Jesus talks about, and then we can relate them to today. Now, there are many people who will say, well, all these signs have always been in place. And we can agree with a lot of that, because there have been famines, there have been wars, there have been rumors of wars since, since the very beginning. But you know what? Jesus says those are just birth pains. He also lists uh, pestilences in there. And pestilences is a plague. It's disease. And when we think of COVID-19 right now, many people are despairing, thinking that, you know, this is this is it. This is the end. Well, no, the end is not yet. This is just birth pains. And what Jesus is saying is that these things will continue to happen as we get closer and closer to his return. So when we see all these things, all these signs happening in the world, it doesn't mean that the end is coming, coming right now. But Jesus says, says to look up because he is returning and he is giving us the signs so that we can keep our hearts looking up and keep our, 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 our focus on him and on his return. So I thought that was a really um, important part of the where in the word section of the book um, back on page 253, where you do offer what needs to happen before the, you know, the snatching away of believers in the second coming. I, I thought this was uh, just as really helpful in terms of um, the panic that some people begin to fear when we start having conversations about, um, you know, about the end times or the apocalypse. And they, they think that, oh, it just it's, must be upon us. Well, there are some things that God has told us in advance must happen before um, the actual end. And so um, we're not there yet, just based on what God has told us, and God is going to be faithful to keep his word. That's actually what this whole conversation is about, how prophecy unfolds, what God has told us, and how faithful God is to keep his own word. Donna, um, one of the things we do in the podcast is, is share some examples of biblical prophecies that would not have been understood, were not understood in the days in which they were written, and, and have not been understood by prior generations because the time for that particular prophecy was not yet fulfilled. So there are some prophecies that we now understand that even our grandparents did not. Could you give us an example of one of those? Yes. In Scripture, there's talk about another temple. They're sacrificing inside the temple. We read that in Revelation. We read that in Daniel. We read it in in other parts of Scripture, and it talks about that that temple. Well, there is no temple, and it specifically talks about a temple in Revelation, and Revelation is not allegory. It's prophecy. We're told that it's seven times there. We're told in Revelation it is a book of prophecy, which means that it will unfold. God has given that to us. It's going to unfold sometime in the future, so there will be a temple, but for 
for my parents, even my grandparents, to read those prophecies and think, what? There's going to be a temple inside of Israel. Well, Israel had to exist first in order for that to happen. And after AD 70, the Jews were driven out. Israel didn't even exist as a nation. For my grandparents to read those prophecies and think, what? Israel's going to exist as a nation. There's going to be a temple again in Jerusalem. That didn't make any sense. But Isaiah 66 says, can a country be born in a day or a nation at once? And that happened on May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a United Nations recognized nation again. But again, for my grandparents, for my great grandparents, this would have not made any sense at all. But we are the generation that's seeing it. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul gives uh, a charge to Timothy, and he's talking about godlessness in the last days. In 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, he lists characteristics of, of, um, of the last days, in lack, lack of a better word. They're characteristics of the last days. And he says that people will be um, w- lovers of self. They'll be lovers of pleasure with, and not lovers of God. They will be without love. And the word there for love is not agape love that we are that we think of from the Bible, brotherly love, Christian love. It's not that at all. It says without love, and the word there for love is the Greek word is ostrogos, which means without love, flesh and blood, without love for family. And when I think of that, there's no greater representation than the 60 million children that have been aborted inside our country alone, because there is not that love for flesh and blood. But again, for my great-grandparents, To think that abortion would be celebrated on stages and on political platforms one day, that didn't make any sense. But again, we're a generation that's seen these things. Again, I'm talking with Donna Van Leer, New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. We're talking about her new novel, The Time of Jacob's Trouble. I want to encourage you guys to also check out the limited series podcast that Donna and I did together. You can find it at DonnaVanLeer.com backslash looking up. So it is the Things Are Looking Up podcast, and you can find it at DonnaVanLeer.com backslash looking up. Donna, um, thank you so much. And um, although I probably won't see you soon, I look forward to uh, talking with you soon, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you. And you know, the podcast, Carmen, is wherever people listen to podcasts as well. They don't just have to go to my website. It's wherever wherever you listen. I know, but see, I try to provoke them to go to the website, so then they'll yes. sign up for the email and they'll get the book and all the good all the all the good stuff. Oh, so there you yes. go. Yeah, it's one one stop shopping. Thank you, DonnaVanLear dot com. <laughs> thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. So some of you follow me on Instagram, and so you know that every day in the studio, I post a picture of Studio Dog. If you don't follow me on Instagram, then you don't know that. But Studio Dog, let me just go ahead and tell you, she's not worried about anything. Uh, She likes it that her people are all home all the time. And so I just encourage you to find some silver linings today in this experience of sheltering in place or staying at home. Um, I, I absolutely recognize 
that this is stressful and very challenging. Each and every one of us is having to do what uh, what we just heard the Crown Financial Ministries talk about, which is develop a crisis budget. We are having to do things in different ways, in ways in which we've never done them before. Some of us are having to learn to like right, cook right, cook rice and beans from um, from actual dry beans. That might be a totally new experience for you. Um, I want to know what is new for you and the challenges that you are facing. Please communicate with me. You can always text me during the show at 877-933-2484. You can email me any hour of the day or night, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. I won't answer any hour of the day or, not, day or night, but you can email me any hour of the day or night, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. I do want to hear from you. I want to know um, how you're doing, what you're doing, the challenges that you're facing, and how we might encourage you in this walk of faith together in these very different kinds of days in which we're living. Uh, I'm going to encourage you also to be an ambassador of this ministry. So there's lots of people not driving anywhere right now, so they're not listening on terrestrial radio, but they could benefit by listening streaming online at MyFaithRadio.com or listening via the Faith Radio app. And so let me encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com And click on a link for the podcast. You can either click on the Mornings with Carmen page or the podcast page. You can find the link to today's show or another show. And then send that link via text message or email to somebody who would benefit from this encouraging word, these encouraging um, conversations that we have here day in and day out. Uh, The show must go on. The show will go on. If you can help support this radio ministry, we'd appreciate that as well. You can donate online at MyFaithRadio.com. We've got a whole other hour up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.